am not drowning but waving and you don't know what to do. You leave me there and I swim back to shore to collect the benefits you've left me. Thank you, um, Rhyme Minister. Right, and next up on the open mic night here at the Poetry Hive is Vark. Please give him a big hand. Thank you. This is a poem called A Crushed Flower. I went for a walk. Nature was all around, reminding me of my own mortality. A mayfly flew past. Remembering that they only live for 24 Earth hours, I reflected on the fragility of life. I saw a leaf bent double in a strong wind, and I identified with its struggle. I opened a packet of crisps, They were salted, like the tears on my facial armour. I dropped one on the floor, so I couldn't eat it. That was when I realised that I was standing in a bed of flowers. Taking a step back, I looked where my feet had been. And there was a fragile, delicate flower. Crushed. Like me. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Ood One Out. It's me, Laura Sigma, and with me I have a very nice person. Hello, it's me, Chris Alpha. What? What is that? No, Chris Sigma? How weird. It's because he's still in Athens, where he got a standing ovation for his show last night. Wow, so he says. No, no, I believe him. I do believe him. (laughs) 
So I've um, been staying with Chris and his lovely wife, Penny, and their new baby, Rowan. And we had a chance after Rowan had gone down to sleep last night to watch this week's episode, which was The Empress of Mars. And I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, me too, actually. Um, People get a bit nervous when they find out it's Mark Gatiss doing an episode, but I have quite liked all his before. And I really quite enjoyed this one again. Yeah, so. he's a funny guy. He's got a dab hand with humour, and sometimes that's what you need after you've had something quite intense. Yeah, he's got quite a good line in Victoriana as well, as I think we might talk about during this episode. Um, well, that brings us to... One thing! So, Chris, tell me mm. one thing that you liked about this episode. Uh, I liked the... Um, so, so I'm going to go slightly general. The, I thought the setup, the whole concept of the episode was balmy, but intriguing. It's sort of, it, it's putting Victorian values, traditional British values, if you want to go all UKIP on it, um, uh, in a sort of a universal context and seeing how it stands up. Um, it's, I, I just really enjoyed the imagery of Victorian soldiers fighting unimaginably hostile, dangerous aliens. That, that's my first thing, I think. Yeah, that was uh, particularly good. I liked, along those lines, that although the setup was totally ridiculous, Victorians on Mars, which is, as we know, not entirely likely, given as um, they hadn't really invented the car yet, or they yeah. just invented the car, I liked that they didn't fall into the trap of spending too much time hashing over the scientific difficulties and technicalities of them actually being there. There was no sort of suggestion that they needed to rig up an air supply, no explanation as to where their electricity was coming from, how they had light. And I mean, we've seen all of that in The Martian and it was very, very cool and interesting, but I just think it would have slowed down the episode much, much more than it needed to. Yeah, and at least there was an explanation of how they got there and why they're there. Yeah. That would have been the worst bit, I think, if, if there was no explanation at all. Because the rest, yeah, you could if they can make the giant gun, having flown from Earth to Mars, I think they can create electricity and oxygen. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to accept that as part of the package. And it's actually pretty good that they had the soldiers fly off with, um, what are they blokes called? Alpha Centauri. Yeah. Or the, sorry, the indeterminate gendered species Alpha <laughs> Centauri that they flew off afterwards, all of them, because I'm assuming that's what happened at the end, so that yeah. the British army wouldn't have the technological advantages that they'd been given by the ice warriors in, in building that gun. Because goodness knows that how long that would have perpetuated the empire if they'd had that. Yeah. Yeah, there, well, there was no real question, was there, at any point of them taking that gun back to Earth? It no, was, but I it mean, was all if, about money. If they'd rigged it up, though, yeah, they would know that there were things achievable beyond. Uh, the that sort of they like, could have taken the technology in their head. Yeah, but yes, assuming that they had the cognitive capacity to do so, which, judging from some of the performances of the actors in the supporting cast, maybe they did not. No. <laughs> so let's go on to the second thing. Two things. What was yours? Uh, my second one was the method of death that the Ice Warriors weapons produced. Because it's been a very long time since somebody dying on Doctor Who has made me go, ah. Oh. 
And the idea of a human being crumpled up into a cube instantly and then just rolling away like a, a really funny dice is was horrible to me. It made me really cringe. So I thought that was really effective. And it looked really good on the screen. Very silly, but very good. That's funny, because for me, it totally took me out of it because I felt like here's a race that's supposed to be able to conquer planets in a matter of days, mm. but they've got a weapon that is effectively... It's a one-shot kill, but it's not a broadband thing. They can only use it on one person at a time. Yeah, And I also did find the method of death really silly i think it looked stupid i hate it when they use too much cgi i mean i wouldn't have minded if they'd melted or been blown into dust like the monks did with people i suppose that's why they didn't do it again but they just looked so dumb it was like that bit where the absorbalax or whatever it was called absorbalof absorbalof yeah yeah where he just (laughs) had weird faces yeah where where they keep kept appearing in peter case's stomach yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I thought it was novel, okay. which I think is perhaps why I wasn't expecting something like that. I was expecting like the traditional heat ray kind of. Yeah, they'll just sort of go X-ray in in on screen and then mm-hmm. just drop. Mm-hmm. But no, they they just turned into some kind of evil Rubik's cube, <laughs> um, which you know for me that was I wasn't I wasn't expecting anything like that, and it really worked for me. But I can see that if they kill too many people in a line, they're then going to have to go over a wall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not useful in terms of swift conquests. No. Well, what, what was your second point? The costuming was brilliant for mm. this episode. I loved the Victorian costumes, very sort of true to form. The thing that I loved the most, though, has to be the steampunk spacesuit with the little. Oh yes, with the funnel. gramophone funnel, <laughs> so that they could hear what was going on around in the in the vacuum of space. I cannot wait to see some brave um, cosplayer somewhere take this on. So yeah. I'll throw down the gauntlet. Um, <laughs> probably it would be Meta and Brian heading. I think they'll probably have a go at this. I hope they do. Okay. It's yeah, it would be amazing it's to see look someone. Awesome. It looked like I don't know if anybody's played. There's a computer game. Um, called Bioshock. It looked like mm. a friendly version of uh, the big big sisters in that who've got weird helmets, like a diving suit, but, you know. Yeah. But also, actually, all of the costumes were brilliant. I loved the Doctor and, the, and Bill's spacesuits, the yeah, TARDIS-generated ones. They look awesome with or without helmets. And actually, it was really interesting to see the uh, Ice Warrior Queen Although I did get very strong predator vibes. Yeah, there is something slightly odd about seeing a, an ice warrior with dreadlocks. Yeah. So, that's not what they were, but that's what they look like to me. Um, There's probably some techno babble explaining why she's got them and nobody else does. <laughs> I did, um, yeah, I, I think the, the, the uniforms the soldiers were wearing at, at well were, were pretty accurate for 1881 as well mm. which is that that's a nice sort of attention to detail that you could forgive them for not paying attention to given oh, that they were on you? mars it's the bbc yeah but they were on mars so yeah. i suppose they weren't that dirty no that's true and that's but, always the thing that i loved about star wars is that all of the equipment and the uniforms looked like they'd seen some uh, use but maybe martian dust doesn't stick to you 
Well, also Martian dust is red, like their uniforms. Oh, that's oh, so that that is the reason they wore red uniforms. That's, that's useful yeah. to know. Yeah, not so the blood wouldn't show, <laughs> so they could go to Mars without appearing dirty. Yep, definitely. Three things that we liked. Do you have a third? I do have point? a third, yeah. I felt like um, there were moments of excellent character work, um, specifically that of the senior officer um, who is overthrown by his second-in-command, who also was such an oily guy. Mm. So such a nasty piece of work. Catch love. Catch love, yeah. That was his name, yeah. <sighs> He's not a nice man. Very self-obsessed. But I, I enjoyed the sort of the vulnerability of the senior officer and um, how his moral compass swung back towards self-sacrifice. But also, again, another standout episode for Bill. Mm. Um being faced with creating a diversion that's going to turn the attention of an absolutely deadly force against you. She was absolutely not cowed at all. She was just Mm. brave and calm and efficient and approached it in, I think, much the same way that the Doctor would want all of his companions to take on a situation like that. Let's talk about it. Yeah. I persuaded you before what's changed. Yeah, and she was. Well, she used the things that she knew were in front of her that she could use, if you know it, because the Queen had already said, I, res- I, would, um, I would respect your opinion. So she uses that as the lever. That's uh, that, you know, I think that's a very natural thing for a human to do as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, I mean, maybe not in that situation. Maybe that's a bit outlandish a situation to try and imagine a human in sometimes. No, I think, I think that's completely right. I mean, mm. what other resources did she have? Mm. She had her opinion, she had her voice, and she used it very well. Uh, yeah, and, and what good are things like running away? Because, I mean, it's one human on Mars, they're going to let her run away. Yeah. <laughs> it's not going to make any difference. She can't attack them. So, yeah, it's very clever and, well, entirely in keeping with what Bill has been like over the rest of the series. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to more things like that. Yeah. That is really at the heart of the show, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Um, so my, th- my third point, um, and I'm hoping that I'm not going to tread on Andy's toes <laughs> at all, were all the, the little classic series touches that they did, and not so not classic, new Who touches as well, continuity touches, I suppose, that they did throughout the episode, because... There are loads, and I I guess every time I re-watch this episode, I will find more. But from the painting of Pauline Collins as yes, Queen Victoria... I like um, that. ...to like the hive-like tomb being very similar to the Tomb of the Cybermen uh, kind of set up, um, to um, Alpha Centauri coming back. Yeah. Which is, and played by the same... The, the same actress as well, which is, after this long, is amazing. Um and even down to the hoses the Doctor is connecting up to to broadcast their signal at the end, they, they look to me exactly the same as the hoses that they used in the Patrick Troughton story, Seat of Death. I'm not going to go too classic-y because that's ridiculous and that's what we have Andy for. Um, but what I liked about it was not just that they were there, but that they weren't done in an overbearing way. Yeah. That actually, if you didn't know anything about it, it wouldn't matter a single jot. No. Because... It just made sense. And that's, I think, how they should do it all the time. Yeah. Because that's there to send people like me a bit, you know, fanboyish and silly. <laughs> but 
it doesn't ruin the story. It doesn't dictate any any part of that story. Um, and that, for me, is how they should be doing it. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was very sort of tongue-in-cheek in places, but that was exactly what this kind of story needed. Yeah. Hey, do you... Do you know from your amazing classic Doctor Who knowledge, of which I have none, <laughs> whether or not the Giant's Causeway has ever been used as a um, venue mm. for an episode? Because after this, after seeing the different sort of igneous columns mm. in the dens of the Cybermen, nest of the Cybermen, not Cybermen, oh my goodness. Ice I'm, Warriors. Nest of the Ice Warriors. <laughs> sorry, I shouldn't have mentioned yeah, the Cybermen. Not Cybermen, <laughs> sorry, they're not Cybermen. That's a few episodes later, guys. Um do you think that that's going to be called back to at any point? Um, maybe not consciously. I, I don't think they've ever used it before. I may well be wrong. I am not an expert. <laughs> Please don't. I mean, no, yeah, I write in and tell us if they have. Such, but, but, um, um, and I'm also quite interested to see what happens in the future now that there has been a formal alliance made between humankind and the Ice Warriors, effectively, yeah. with the last of the Ice Warriors. And the doctor mentions that this is the start of a golden age. But if they've got a little crew of humans along with them for the ride, that's quite exciting. And it's also quite dangerous for Earth, though. Yeah, they, yeah, they know the weaknesses so. now. And, they although, know some of them. I don't know. If the Ice Warriors then invade 200 years in the future, that's almost a completely different planet and a completely different race of people to the ones they've, they've been working on or yeah. working with. Sorry. And one nuclear bomb is um, going to put paid to that weird old Rubik's Cube crumple blaster. <laughs> yeah, well, you hope so. Uh. Okay, so now we move to the section sponsored by me, the thing that we thought was <laughs> not as good. This bit is not so good. Do you want to go first? I don't mind. I'm happy to go first if you want. Rip it up. Okay. The beginning, I thought, was just too silly for me. The the invading NASA just to make a bit of a silly joke involving the national anthem and the pat- the patriotic Victorian mindset. Just a bit much for me. That was, yeah, meh. And it's not something, that I, I will still, I will probably enjoy it every time I watch it, but actually, on reflection, that's the bit of the episode where it was too silly for me. It seemed a bit pointless. Um, so not massive as a complaint, but, you know, that's the bit that I didn't enjoy as much. Well, my bit is, I mean, this was a comedy episode, so mm. perhaps I shouldn't have been expecting this anyway. But I felt like it really didn't have the same sense of terror and urgency that we've seen throughout these series. The threat was never a threat. Um, it was never palpable even though you found the whole crumply laundry bum gun thing was not so good I it took me right out of it and I just thought that was silly and so there was never it never seemed to put enough jeopardy on the doctor or on Bill I think the jeopardy was there it's just that it and the ice warriors were certainly very threatening but they were threatening to a group of people that maybe we didn't have any connection with and therefore, it made no difference, <laughs> um, because I can see it was a, if you look at it from a point of view of um, a, a common need to survive rather than destroy, then I think it becomes quite an interesting episode. But for, on face value, it's a group of aliens against 
a group of people that have no concept what those things are. Mm. Um, and although that does sort of bring out the episode's best line, maybe in the the upright crocodiles thing, um, I don't. Yeah, I don't really care whether they all live. <laughs> or there's the an, the other amazing line where the doctor turns around and shouts, "Oh, this this creature might appear vicious, but it's not your enemy." And it's like, oh, I wasn't talking to him, I was talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant line. Fantastic. It's a good, that's a good fake-out as well. It, um, but, yeah, I never felt any danger when Friday was running towards the Doctor. No. So I guess from that point of view, I agree with you, yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank mm. you very much. OK, now it's time for um, our regular feature, the haiku. The haiku for the Empress of Mars. Martians oversleep, then cube some Victorians. They all join forces. Thank you for that. That was lovely. So now we've got time to hear a little bit from Classic Andy. It's Andy. Woo! It's Andy. Yeah. It's time for Classic, Classic Andy. Andy. With stuff he saw inside the show that he thinks that they planned. Woo! Plenty of stuff in this one. Oh, yes. A lovely moment as Friday approaches the Doctor and he says this could go very well or very badly. A nice nod to the fact that Ice Warriors have been goodies and baddies in the show's past. And another little nod. The phrase, rank has its privileges, is something Captain Yates tells Joe Grant in Day of the Daleks. I like the idea that the Empress of Mars references it from the series past, but because the story predates Day of the Daleks in the Hooniverse, it could be that Yates was referencing the Victorian soldier. Maybe in the Hooniverse, that soldier was the first one to come up with that phrase and put it in an autobiography or something. On a personal level, I felt that the Empress had something of the female Eldrad from the Hand of Fear about her, which I liked because The Hand of Fear is the first Doctor Who story I recall watching. Then, of course, of course, there's Alpha Centauri, who I think may be one of the most brilliant Doctor Who characters ever, where everything comes together to create an absolute legend. The phrase, welcome to the universe, is such a lovely, inclusive one, and I now want to see how it coped with the negotiations over Peladon's own Brexit. Anyway, my joy on discovering that Yazan Churchman voiced this return made me smile all Saturday evening. Excellent. Very good. Well done. Classic, Andy. I knew, well he'd pick that. I knew he was going to pick up on that. Uh, well, uh, yeah, it completely ruins my third point. Oh. <laughs> we may as well just edit it out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, let's leave it in to show that we've got a broad range of skills in, in our presenter base. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for joining us for this week's episode. And um, it's been great having a chat with you, Chris. Uh, and you, Loss. Yeah. It's nice to like see you near a microphone. Let's and do stuff. it again. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it again. And if you'd like to find out more or discuss the episode in any detail, you can go on to our Facebook group, The Commodity, which is spelt pretty much the way it sounds. Yeah. So join us next week when we will be reviewing... What is it called? Oh, I knew this. When we'll be reviewing another episode of Doctor Who. It's the one by Rona Munro. I know that, but oh. I can't remember what it's called. Off the okay, top of my head. so it's probably going to be quite good then. Yeah, I hope so. Oh man, I didn't say to... another thing that I loved. Go on. That weird bit between the Doctor and Missy. Oh, at the end? Yeah. 
I loved that, how uncomfortable and eerie it was. That was great. That was the point where I felt like there was some actual tension. Well, yeah, because she's sort of explicitly violated the terms of their agreement. So Rona Munro's story is called The Eaters of Light. Wow, that's not especially nutritious unless you're a plant. Maybe it's an episode about plants. (sighs) Yeah, well... Maybe. (laughs) I can't even process that as an idea. That's... (laughs) Ah, but either way, next week's will be great. So we're, I'm looking forward to that a lot. Fantastic. Okay, well, it's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. Toodle bit. Bye.